Welcome back to the Reapcast. I'm Clay, your local renegade, and today I have uh, Curtis Ray Williams and David Williams on the show. No relation. They're not brothers. Um, Maybe brothers from another mother, but that's about it. Um, And uh, we're going to be talking about why men don't go to church or why men don't stick around in church or aren't that active. Um, it's a topic my uh, why which was talk of Julia brought up and uh, we're kind of wanting to figure this out and just kind of break it down from a real perspective um, there's a lot of books out there that talk about it um, some are written by women some are written by men but they're all from the church's perspective looking out and coming from someone who is still kind of in church um, but having these two guys on who have been through those motions and are either now in church or out of church and being able to look back the other way, um, I think we're going to have a great conversation. So we have David Williams. David, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm David. Uh, was, uh, I live in Kentucky. I'm 29 years old. Um, I am currently attending a church. I didn't go this morning. <laughs> um, Same. And uh, yeah, I've been both in and out of various different churches uh, for all of my adult life. Kind of feel like that's just trending forward. Yeah, yeah. All right. And Curtis, where are you at, man? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm 29 also. Uh, we have already covered the fact that I have the same last name. Uh, <laughs> I, I live in Texas, uh, the uh, Panhandle. I'm up in the Panhandle of Texas. I do not go to church. Um, I'm not a member of any church anymore. Yeah, I was uh, not raised in the church, brought up Catholic, but we never went. Right. And um, I, I was saved in uh, middle school and was a part of one church or another from that time until about a year ago. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, Curtis, I'll go ahead and ask you first, why... Why is it you think, just a, a real short cap, um, what was the reason you um, pretty much stopped going to church? Like, what was that, that reasoning right there? Um, I guess, it, to put it just in simplest terms, is I just don't trust it as an institution anymore. I, I, uh, I you know, after I accepted Jesus in, in middle school, I, it was a place I felt safe, um, and it was a place I found community. Uh, but yeah, just due to my own circumstances over the last two years, um, I have just slowly at first, um, started losing faith in the church and, uh, faith in the people of the church. And, um, I, after my divorce last year, um, that the, the last any any last little bit of uh, of faith I had in it uh, evaporated pretty quickly after that happened. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what about you, David? Same question. Um, well, I mean, I guess it's a little bit different for me because I, I currently am going to um, a church, but I was raised in a very conservative, um, borderline charismatic church. And I just remember growing up in it and feeling like, uh, I don't really buy this as a whole. I don't really fit in. I never really felt like I had a relationship with God. It sort of all seemed very theatrical and dramatic. And then, uh, when I, very soon after I turned 18 and moved out of my parents' house, I stopped going to church altogether. And it wasn't until my maybe I was 22 or 23 um, where I actually had a, I would say a supernatural encounter with Jesus, um, which sort of was the tipping point in leading me back into the church world. Um, And I sort of went back to the church where I had grown up and like gave that a shot. And this time it wasn't so much that I was distrustful that Jesus was real or that Christianity as a whole was was something valid and good and true but it was more just sort of the what i felt like was like legalism and just hardcore infinite emphasis on attendance church attendance various different meetings throughout the week attendance um the church was just very all-consuming and sort of only about like itself and like drawing drawing like they were big into outreach but just kind of drawing people into that whole circle not really meeting them where they are not really allowing any kind of grace for people who were maybe on the fence or not sure didn't agree about certain issues there was all this like we all have to think the same things about all of these xyz christian issues um so i ended up parting ways with that church uh probably a couple of years ago. And now I'm in one that feels much more healthy. There's much more of a sort of, uh, you know, diverse opinions and views, a lot of different political, um, you know, persuasions. Uh, Just to give you an example of the the first church that I was telling you about, they actually had a guest speaker come and sort of compare Donald Trump to Nehemiah and, uh, you know, the rebuilding of the wall. (laughs) So just sort of like had to get away from sort of that version of Christianity. Right, right. And I've, if that makes sense. No, I mean that makes that makes complete sense. Um, both of you. Um, I'm, I've been in church pretty much all of my teen years into my, well now until my my I'm thirty now. Um, so I, I finally crashed over that hump. Um, and. Uh, you know, so we're 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 in a church right now. Technically, um, we're having some issues and some things like that going on, um, and we're working through those. But I've always been, I've always been kind of in that boat where it's like I don't like the political side, um, where they're you're pushing one political candidate over the other because I don't believe that's how should church should work. Um, and then I I don't agree, kind of like with what Curtis said, also that I don't trust the system anymore. Like I don't trust it. Like I stopped, I stopped being a religious Christian. Um, I no longer refer to myself as being a part of the religion. I'm, I believe in the faith and what it does, but I can't back the religion that is 
hurting people in multiple ways, either by political views or um, pushing stuff under the rug, you know, and hiding it. Um, you know, I, I just can't, I can't get behind that anymore. Um, not that I don't love the church. I do. Um, I, I think it, it has its place and it has its people. Um, and I think I'm its people, but it's just really hard for me to stay in those pews and watch all this stuff happen. And that's why I'm kind of in the boat of, do I just go anymore? Should I even continue if I'm just going to be pissed the whole damn time? Yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, one thing I've noticed, um, would you say, um, David, would you say that, uh, most men would leave the church because it's not active enough for them? Um, it's too feminine, or is it more so that the gospel pretty much has been watered down to this um, user-friendly people? You know, like, it's, it's, it's only for seekers. It's no longer for people who have been in it, who have experienced life trauma, you know, and we're yeah. going through the thick of the shit, and there's nothing for us. And they're like, well, go to life groups and go do this, but yet those people just want to— most of the time, life groups just want to deal with an issue that's real surface level and walk away. You know, they don't want to get down in dirty and have to walk you through things like divorce, um, right. child loss, job, heavy job issues, you know, legal issues. They don't want to walk through those big things. Um, what would you yeah. say is, is kind of like in that range why we see this flow of so many men walking away from faith? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really interesting because I think a lot of the guys I know that are maybe my age or a little bit younger, a little bit older, really are sort of hungry for like a real community and real conversations. But everything that's sort of like run, systematized through the church feels like guys who want to be real have to do a lot of self-censoring and sort of like, um, you know, it, it's really hard to just be open and honest in like a small group setting or some sort of a, a church setting where everybody sort of has the like outer appearance of sort of having it together. And maybe like you're, you feel like you're going to have to be the one that's just like, <clears throat> yeah, this is the shit that's really going down. Um, Cause I hang out, uh, I hang out a lot in a, in a local cigar lounge. Um, and there's a lot of dudes that are, you know, anywhere from a little bit younger than me all the way up into their 60s. And there's some like real talk that goes down there. And a lot of those conversations are really healthy. And a lot of them actually are about things like, uh, you know, family crises, politics, religion, faith, etc. Conversations you'd hope would happen in the church. But in that setting, there's like sort of this freedom for dudes to just be real. And if a guy's looking for that, he's typically not going to find it at church. And eventually I think guys are just like, well, what's the point of going? I will find that whatever that community real conversation is. I'll just find it somewhere else. Cause church is also kind of boring. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Curtis, what do you have to say on that issue, bud? I don't think I've ever had anybody, um, tell me at least that there was a gender-based reason for not going. Um, Fair. I'll, admittedly, I don't think I've, 
I, I guess I probably haven't been out of the church long enough to have conversations with people, other men, about why they don't go. Um, but I just, um, I, I think it has to do probably more so with the fact that there's a, um, I don't know how to explain it really, uh, there doesn't seem to be like a, a genuine place for men to exist in a church. And I, that isn't to say that churches don't have the uh, grilling with dads or, uh, you know, we're having a men's only group or whatever this, this Wednesday. Um, that my church certainly has had those things, but that doesn't, and in my experience, that has never offered any place for men to be authentic and to being, to bring real problems. Um, you know, someone gets up to talk and they might mention something about not looking lustfully at another woman, but no one's getting up there and saying when the last time they looked at pornography or masturbated, no one's getting up there and talking about the last time they had an argument with their wife where they said something that could have hurt her feelings or uh, she might've said something that uh, dug at his his emotions and his feelings and made him feel inferior. And so it's just so superficial when it does exist that it just doesn't interest me at all. Right. Right. And I, I completely agree with, with both your statements. Um, a hundred percent. Um, and it's kind of eye opening. I didn't think about how y'all kind of put both those answers. Um, I, I haven't thought about it that way. Um, like I know church was, was, like so, we we on this show we we've had um we've talked about toxic masculinity um not the way Gillette does it or anything else it's mostly about you know not <laughs> men not being well we we broke it down differently um I know that's a hot button topic with a lot of people but we broke it down differently and it's kind of both of what you hit on um real men quote unquote I hate using that term but like men mm-hmm. want to have conversations that are emotional. Now, we might not cry or, you know, show these deep emotions about it, but we want to have the conversations about it still. You know, we want to be able to be like, look, my wife told me, you know, what was it? Like, uh, I remember one fight way back when, and she's like, look, I, I, I think you're annoying as hell. And it was it was about something, but like that ate at me for years. Um, and and it, it just ate at me. Because I didn't tell her, and I didn't have one in the church to sit there and like break down that emotion. Another guy who's willing to, because most of them would say, "Suck it up, deal with it." You know, it is what it is. She's just being a pain, whatever. You know, and just pass over it. It wasn't a, you know, they're they're not counting that as a real emotion. Um, so we're kind of left with dealing with these emotions and just dealing with like cooking with dad or hunting or you know, sports related things, but what if you don't play sports? What if you don't like to hunt? Hell, I play video games. I'm a mega nerd. I do D and D. You know, I like woodcrafting all this stuff, but like I'm a nerd. It's what I am. Um and, you know, there's there's no place for me, dads who go in video game, like there's no place really in the church for me. Um to do that with other men um, unless the other men are like 10 years younger than me usually like they'll do that for the college guys but like if you're 30 
you're expected not to do anything that's that's like that in the church you're not a you're not a man that's not a man's thing um but yeah so um david you mentioned something um the church is boring um what what do you mean by that like like, let's break that down what do you mean by boring um the pews the sermons the lack of interactiveness the over amount of interactiveness some places want you to do like like what uh yeah i mean i think that for me um and this is this is not like specific to any one church i've been to you know i've been a, a part of at least four and visited you know six or eight more and i think that the whole like uh I mean, the the death of the sermon, you know, to put it back in BC terms, like I I feel like listening to a canned sermon around a specific, either a specific topic or a specific text and just having, you know, some guy uh, sort of break that down and pull it, you know, it, it feels like everything that's been said has been said. And so if you've been in church for any length of time, any given topic or you know prominent text you have heard xyz sermons over that already for sure um especially if you were raised in the church you grew up you know uh in a household where you read the bible if you're like a church kid if you've been in the system for any length of time it's all redundant and it's like the things that i like about church i enjoy worship i play guitar uh, sometimes on on the worship team of the church I go to now, um, I think some of the the unity stuff, some of the more spontaneous fellowship type stuff is great. But sermons bore the crap out of me, and it's pretty much across the board at this point. I feel like uh, I can't remember the last time I listened to a sermon where I was like, "Wow, that's different. That's real. That's edgy. That's actually addressing something that matters you know i get right. all of my information that sort of falls into that category for me comes through like podcasts or youtubers or some other form of media where there are people who are actually willing to take risks and tackle sort of the real questions and you just don't get that at church right right fair enough and curtis what would you say that about church kind of being boring and hearing those messages over and over and over again no, I, I completely relate to that. Um, I think I all, uh, one of the big uh, triggers for me is is worship. Also, I I don't like hard to put into words. I guess I I definitely enjoy worship and the idea of worship, but the how it's played out now it doesn't seem to be about worshiping the idea of God or our idea of God. It's in my previous church, it just seemed to be about the show of it all more so. And it's, it just lacks substance for me. And so I found myself like probably starting two or three years ago at least where I I just would get worship or 
I just was totally zoned out during worship. I just couldn't pay attention to it because it just lacked depth and it was completely uninteresting. Right. Yeah, no, I uh I see that. So like uh do you you know who Matt Chandler is? Yeah. Yeah. Uh so uh Matt Chandler is in Texas. He's in Flower Mound. Um it's about a two hour trip from where I'm at. Um, President Acts twenty nine and all that stuff. And uh well, me and my wife will make a we, we call it the pilgrimage to uh Flower Mound to go see Matt Chandler speak. Um and it's an amazing like if you've ever heard him speak, it's this amazing message on anything he's talking about. Um, and and it's in-depth, and it's engaging, and it's not that, that – to me, it's never been that same old, same old with him. He always finds this new edge to take or look at or repeats it and then goes, but here's what I missed, you know, and does that. Um, but the one thing, the reason I bring it up is the worship Um since since that seems to be the, the part of the theme here and everything um you know so i do back of house stuff um i do lighting visuals video i have played guitar in a band and all that but i i prefer back of the house i really enjoy doing that in a church um but when we're at the village um when we see their worship their worship is very like straight out of scripture put to music and goes but it's done beautifully um, and it, it has a whole lot of depth and intimacy in, in it, in their music and how they do it. Um, although a lot of their stuff is in house, um, and not to knock anyone else's music, but I would agree with you, Curtis, that it has become like this, this show preparation, um, where everyone's trying to get that, that, what is it? A youth camp high. If anyone knows that yeah. term, well, you know, when, when it's just that music is hitting you hard and you're emotional because you're tired because um, obviously, you know, youth camp is like Navy SEAL training where you're cold, wet, and up for more hours than you can handle. Um, so you're all emotional. Um, and then that music hits you and it gets this rise out of you because, you know, at, at, as a musician, there's certain chords that, that strike the heart a certain way. You know, um, there's chords that make you happy, that make you sad, and they, they um, afflict different feelings on us. Um, hence why most worship songs are in G, C, and D. And every now and then you'll get an E minor and A minor up in there, you know, but most of them. Yeah, are... and if it's an A minor, it's like, dang it, why would you write in that key <laughs> if you have to play it? Yeah, yeah. So it's like most songs are happy because G, C, and D are like these very happy, rising song chords that make you feel lifted. Um and, uh, I mean, heck, what the augmented fifth chord was called the devil's chord from even back when, you know, Bach and all them were playing piano. It's like you didn't use that that note. Um, but all this to say, um, worship has seemed to be lacking. Like, I enjoy a good worship, and at the church we are right now, it's, it's a rock show. Like, we run minus, if anyone knows any sound, we run mains at minus 10. Um, and... And so we run it pretty hot. Um, we hand out earplugs is pretty much what they do. They give, if you need earplugs, they'll hand you earplugs, and there you go. Um, they do it so you can't hear yourself sing or hear anyone else around you sing, which does help. Um, but it's very lacking. It's very base worship. The songs can't be too in-depth. Um, I remember they changed uh, words to the song. Um, it was a David Crowder song. Um 
uh, was it a come on yeah. weary sinner? Like, well, they they changed certain words because those words were too harsh for new people coming in, and they didn't or can too we, churchy. Yeah, can we stop there for just a second? Sure. And yeah, uh, what is with that? That is a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> but anytime. I am at a church, no matter what, if the words have been altered from like the original lyrics that the artist put out, that it sort of just like eats me up and I stop caring about the, and I'm, I'm just almost like, if yeah. you can't play what the guy wrote, just leave it out. Or write your um, own. And if you're going to do the song, then, you know, leave the lyrics in there the way they were. Don't like, it's sort of that whole oh, well, we thought this was really good, but not everyone here will, will be able to handle it or somebody might be offended. So let's just lowest common denominator yeah. this music out for whoever. And that's just typical of what happens at church. And it's, I don't know. Anyways, that's a pet peeve of mine. I hate that. Well, no, I mean, it goes it goes right along with what even and Curtis was saying about the music, the worship being that watered down, non-intentional almost, worship it's good music like like most churches do great music but like when we talk about like this heartfelt worship most people don't do a rock show you know um like they'll come for it and everything um and that's not a knock to the places who do honestly if that's your people group and that's what y'all is worshiping with that that's awesome you know everyone has different i just know a lot of the guys i've talked to want i'm gonna say this a little more emotional feel to it you know, because that is an outlet for a lot of us to have. Um, but yeah, so, uh, wow, we covered more in that than I thought we would. Um, that's awesome. I always like when that happens. Yeah, it's, 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 to me, it's like, I, I would sacrifice some artistic part of worship to write, for someone to write music that was worshipful. Right, And right. it seems like now we're more concerned with uh, a church's ability to put out a good worship album or to draw people just into the building for the, the worship when it's really all, like the music has all just been written to make you feel better about yourself. And it, I, I, I just, I don't think it's a, a, it's a gross way to write music. I think, I right. I'm just not a fan of it. <laughs> so, are you saying that it's instead of writing worship music like to to God or for like us to sing praises to God? What we've we as in the church at large have started doing is sort of just writing like self-help lyrics wrapped in the guise of Christianity, and then we all sing those together, so we sort of ride that emotional high. Exactly, Is that... yeah. It's, exactly, it's... okay. Worship yeah, because is... it's not really worship at that point. No, no it's no. self-help, and like, yeah. <laughs> the, that part of the of the sermon on it, on any given Sunday is, I, and I, I'm not trying to say this to offend anybody or to, uh, for shock value, but it's really like, uh, just a, a spiritual circle jerk, and <laughs> I, I just I don't get anything out of it, and I don't I just 
I don't know. I, I don't understand why we can't have like why why the the art can't also represent how we feel about this being that we're supposedly like in love with and that that created us and we're it's it's just it it always seems to just find itself uh find its way back to being about us in the end and the fact that it's about us and not about god is just disgusting right well we even look at like uh y'all guys follow king's kaleidoscope yeah, yeah, sure. a bit. yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know if y'all remember. Then um, they got kicked off their label, like hard, and got like denounced shows. So they had this song called "Prayer," um, and it was from the lead singer's journal. Like this is his prayer journal. This is not, you know, some lighthearted thing. Well, um, he says the word "fuck." Um, will I step? Will I fall? Will I step? Will I fall? Um, these fears and thoughts are fucking violent. Uh, or something like that, basically, and like yeah, this is my an, fear is fucking violent. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and it's like this super emotional song, you know, um, of of honesty, and and it was just him talking to God because honestly, who hasn't cussed at God once or twice? Been like, why the hell is this happening? You know, or something, and so they got kicked off a label for being honest. Um, and I think that falls under kind of what we're talking about in church, where we want this self-help, and if it's real and honest, even if it's edgy, we we don't want it, and that's not Christian, because God is just joy and happiness and peacefulness, and not, I'm sad, depressed, you know, I have suicidal thoughts. He's not any of those things, you yeah. know. Well, and I think what you're getting at is when it makes it more re- – when it's real and when it's honest, then it's good. But yeah. it's not like Chad Gardner put an album out <laughs> riddled with, like, random fuck words no. for, the, for that own sake. You know, it, it was fear – when my fear is fucking violent, that is – that is something different than when my fear is violent or when my fear is really violent. Yeah. You know, it, it conjures up like a deeper, realer emotion that I think a lot of us, you know, can identify with. And in, in that way, it is, you know, not only honest, I think it's necessary. You know, that's the hook of that song, at least yeah. for me, you oh, know, yeah. and that was one of the first Kings K songs I got into. Um, Cause I've been there, you know, and mm-hmm. I've been there uh, with God and, not just about fear, but just also about anger or mistrust or X, Y, Z emotion. Um, and I think it's, it's something that if most of us were honest, we would, we would realize we've had those moments too. Yeah, no. And that's, and that's something that I think that I think if our churches did more, um, I, I think it would like not even having to cuss, but being that real, if they were that real about a lot of what they're doing, even musically. Um, and then let's take that a step further. Um, and I think you mentioned it, David, being in their sermons, being that real, you know, where the pastor gets up and talks about, hey, um, I looked at porn this week. Um, I'm sorry. Um, this is my repentance to you. Here's how we're going to work through this. And here's what I've learned. Like, I want to hear that sermon. I want to hear this real struggle of another brother going, hey, I completely fucked up. 
you know, or I, I cussed at my kids this week, or, you know, I called my wife an idiot this week, or whatever. I want to hear those things. I don't want to just hear, here's 10 steps to a better life with Christ, you know, or here's how to pay more money to the church. I'm, you know, like I get tithing's a thing, but I'm done hearing about it every week. Um, yeah, I think yeah, the um, what drew me to my church home, my last church home, um, the first sermon I ever went, or the first like service I went to, um, not on purpose either. I just one of my friends w- had just started playing guitar there recently, and was like, "Hey, we I think we should check it out." Um, and so we go, and there isn't a sermon being preached that night. It is that night in particular. They are welp- welcoming back to the staff the uh, previous wor- senior worship pastor uh, because he had an affair. And they sat out on the stage. There was a like a chair and a couch, and they, the senior pastor, um, Tommy, with the worship pastor, Rob, and his wife, and then the their marriage counselor, um, and they just ha- they just interviewed him, the counselor and Rob and his wife, um, and they just talked about like what happened, how everything got found out, what they did after everything was found out. They you know they fired him for two years. They when you know did a like a super intense marriage counseling or whatever. And, and then they brought him back on staff and I, I was blown away. Like I had never heard anything that bad happening to someone, first of all, and then the church, like being open and honest about it and, and then explaining what happened to everybody. And so I felt like it was a, a place, a safe place for people to be people. Like we know this guy is a human and he messed up. And he did what he had to do to get back to this place. And so we're having grace for him, just like Jesus would. And I thought it was super powerful. And I think with my divorce, all I found out was there, there's places in the church for certain people. But if you're not one of those certain people, then we don't really care what you're dealing with and we don't really have the time or uh i wouldn't say manpower because it's a mega church there's a hundred pastors on staff probably (laughs) Uh, they certainly have the manpower but it 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 just showed to me like rob attaway is an important person and when he makes a mistake it's important that uh, you know we see through to the end to his uh, uh, recovery and and what you know we show him that we're there for him. But if somebody else is going through uh, a rough situation, I didn't cheat. I wasn't. I didn't get divorced because I I cheated or anything. Um, I was just gone. I was working. Um, but my father-in-law is on staff, or my ex-father-in-law is on staff at this church. And um, both when I was engaged, 
or when we were engaged, she cheated on me. And we went through a six month process where we, you know, went to counseling and he told me, you know, you can, you can definitely call it off if you want to. Jesus has forgiven her for doing what she did. And it's important for you to give her for what, you know, for what she did also. And I was like, you're right. You're absolutely right. I have to forgive her. And I want to spend the rest of my life with her. So I can't hold a grudge. I, I can't resent her for doing this if I want to spend the rest of my life with her. So I definitely forgive her. Uh, and I love her. I, I want to marry her. And so I did, you know, the whole six, six months of counseling. And then when she decides she doesn't want to be married a year and a half later, um, I am open with him, uh, my father-in-law, about the struggles we're having. And he says, you know, we're going to get through it. We'll, we'll help you figure this out. We're, we're, you know, we're there for you. And within a month, he had convinced her to file for divorce. Wow. Like while I was, while I was, I wasn't even in the state at the time. Right. And so he's, he's telling me one thing, this on staff pastor who I love, I've known him actually longer than I've known her. And when it came down to, it seems like anyways, from my point of view, when it came down to uh, like a tough situation that he and his family is in, then it's that uh, that grace and that mercy and the let's just slow down and, and talk about the situation was taken off the table. And I wasn't given that opportunity. And that's that's at the very root of, of why I agreed to come on this podcast is because of of what happened in that in that area of my life. I'm sorry for rambling. No, you're you're fine, man. And and again, here we're we're about people's stories and what they go through, and they drive us. Um, because you know we all have had that church hurt and pain, um, whether it be small or large. Um, I mean, heck, that's kind of why me and my wife, where we're at with our church, is not because of anything like that, but like um, pastoral abuse is kind of where that falls under. Um, and. Uh, and so we're in that boat of some pastoral abuse. We came from a church, um, a pastoral abuse. We did a show about it called Surviving the Church, where we went through five years of, like, just bull crap. Um, you know, it messed us up even till this day um, in multiple ways, and that's kind of where this show came from. So so don't n never apologize for your story. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely agree that, that the church is for some but not all in the way of, you know, um, we're about new people. It's all about the newcomers. Um, so if a church is that way, they kind of forego the old, old dog in the yard, as I like to say, and kind of just let them roam. You know, you're here to help the young ones. Well, the old dog needs help too. Um, you know, been a Christian for a while, but we still need help. Or, um, or we found that the church, you know, we're we're big on the gifts. But if you don't have a gift or don't know your gift, we can't use you. Or they're the us for and no more, which sounds like what you went through, Curtis, is if you're not part of this group, you're on your own. I'm sorry. You know, um, 
so yeah, so yeah. it's 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 a dangerous road, and I'm I'm hoping to get it better. That's why I like having these conversations. Um, and I think, and I think one of these questions that kind of ties in in a way, um, but but pretty much the the last one I was wanting to ask is why do you think over men more women are going to church? I mean, we have all these problems. I guarantee you, women have just as much problems in the church. Um, we know this with the SBC coming out with the sexual assault cases um, that were hidden for, for decades. You know, we saw that come out. So we know women are being abused and hurt across all denominations of all faith of Christianity. Um, but why do more women than men then flock to this place that honestly, to some degree, is unsafe for them? You know, because it is safer for us guys, maybe not emotionally at times, but physically it is safer for us most of the time. Um so, you know, what would y'all say, uh, David, why don't you take it first? What would you say? Why do women track to church more than men? Uh, you know, I, I don't really know. I thought about that a little bit um, today because I thought that might be one of your questions. It's, it's sort of the logical question. Um, I mean, I do think we as guys kind of have to own that sometimes we just suck. And we're like a little bit lazy. Amen. And uh, I mean, the average dude that I know would rather uh, sleep in on Sunday um, or for me, at least like a lot of the times I, I get if I get a three day weekend or even a, a long two day weekend where I get off, you know, halfway through Friday. Right. I'm the kind of guy that likes to go fishing or go camping or kind of just disappear for a while. Um, you know, not to say that that girls don't do that kind of stuff, but generally it feels like guys are going to be more into maybe things that aren't facilitated as well at church. Whereas a lot of girls that I know really, really cherish sort of the, you know, community there um, where, you know, there's, there's lots of kids around, you know, you, it's, it's super rare. Um, and I am one, so I've noticed, but it's super rare that a single guy in their mid to late twenties or early thirties goes to church by himself. I'm that guy, right? but I'm totally the anomaly it's all either couples or it's super common that you'll see like single women from say like, you know, grad school age up through early thirties will go to church with their friends. Um, I would never like my close dude friends and I, as we either go to separate churches or no churches and we would never all decide to go to church together right. as like a thing, you know, we would go do anything else. <laughs> uh, so right. I think maybe that's part of it. Like, it's it you know guys just are less willing to sort of you know i think there's we've talked about some valid concerns with church but maybe guys are just less less you know willing to make something that you have to to make to be a part of a community like church that's a theory at least right right well i mean it's valid it has definitely has some some logic to it for sure uh curtis what about you bud um i would probably i guess instinctively i just i lean more towards the fact that women are um a lot more geared towards doing things like david was saying with each other or with other people um right and I, I, I'm not an introvert necessarily. I, I think I'm an extrovert 
Um, but I don't intentionally put myself around people either. And the sun, like Sunday morning church, like I'm before I got married or before I was dating my ex-wife, I was exactly like David. I, I went to church every Sunday morning. It didn't matter if I had someone to go with or not. I, I went to church because it was, it was what I did. I, I served in the youth ministry at my last church for almost eight years. And so I didn't have anything, any responsibility, responsibilities on Sunday mornings, but, um, I was a small group leader for a high school boys group for, like I said, for seven years, um, or it started out as a middle school group and I just worked my way through middle school and high school with the same group of boys. Right, um, right, right, right. And, um, yeah, after after that group graduated, I was already dating or engaged to my ex-wife, and um, so we were not going as much, and I had taken a break from the youth ministry, um, and then our uh, separation happened, and so, yeah, I've never, I just haven't found a, a, a safe place to, for me to deal with uh, you know, what I'm going through yet. Um, but I, I just, I feel like women are probably more so concerned with doing things in a group than men are. Um, but I've, I, I've never really considered like why they go more, but it is intriguing thing. Like you said, Clay, how they are definitely more, uh, inclined towards being physically abused. Um, that's that's what I would say without, I guess, ever having dived into it. Right, right. Well, and I, I think you're you're both right. Um, women do tend to be more communal, um, especially the ones who are um, extroverted. They they do tend to have a large community or try to. Um, they huddle together more. They're they're more tribal. I guess you would say. Um, and I think that comes along with mostly for men, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of us were taught like that alpha male theology growing up in some way, you know, if you got to be that lone wolf, you got to like pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, like all that, that at some point garbage of yes, being, being independent of yourself is great and being, you know, able to do things by yourself. But that's a great thing for any human, not just men or women. But, like, it was really pushed into me as a child, as a boy, that I have to be the lone wolf. I have to be able to, to go through fire and flames by myself for everyone else. And at the end of it, you know, I'll come to this. And so that's, that, that's what kept me from church for a long time. And, and the care for it is because it's like, do it my damn self. Screw it. You know, I'll go put on Michael W. Smith in the background. You know, I'll say a couple prayers, I'll do the dance, I'll talk into the mirror, we've had church, you know, um, and, and so that's kind of like my <laughs> attitude now, now is selfish and is like cocky as that is, that's how I feel, you know, that that's the internal motion and struggle that, that, that goes on. Um, but watching, you know, even, even my wife asked, cause that my wife said, Hey, ask this question. I'm like, yeah, that's a good question. Um, 
was was the one why do more women go to church she doesn't even know like she doesn't even know that answer um and everything i found has like multiple answers of like well church isn't interactive enough church isn't engaging enough it's boring but then like when you get past those let's say we fix those and get past those there's still this disconnect and what i have found just from thinking about looking over it is that the church needs to be broken down and remodeled because the church building as it is, that's not, that's not all the church is. Um, literally I should be able to go out into the wilderness in a tent and have a conversation about God and have a walk through nature. Like I imagine Ron Swanson from parks and rec would be a great outdoors pastor. You know, like, like really, that's all I can think of. Um, but, uh, so yeah, he would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The just best. Straightforward to the point, you know, uh, have a, have a, a, a thing about this tree connecting to God or whatever. Um, we need Ron Swanson as a pastor and president. Um, so, uh, agreed. <laughs> agreed. <laughs> <laughs> A hundred percent agree. Ron Swanson, twenty twenty. Uh, um, yeah, but uh, but no. So basically, that that the church for men, like we go to a church that is geared towards men, loud music, um, male led, heavily uh, male themes, very edgy on certain things, but yet it's still not like really impacting the male community as much as it should, and I think that's because it's still where it is. Like, I've had better church services sitting at my kitchen table debating theology with agnostics, Wiccans, and everything else who are my family. Like, these are my close friends and family at my table playing D&D than I have had conversations in a church in my entire church career. You know, um, and I'm pretty sure, David, you mentioned you go to this the cigar lounge. I, would you say you've had better conversations and, like, more intimate and more knowledge-filled and more growth in those conversations probably than you have had in your church experience. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, and I, I had some real, I mean, the, the church I was a part of, I mean, it was really, really bent towards sort of relationship and it was kind of geared towards guys too. So we had some real life and some real conversations, right? But it was an, for me, it was always like there was kind of a line, and it was like we can be real, or I felt like, and maybe it's because I'm like a shitty person who has a, too much to hide or <laughs> or too much bullshit. I would say that's part of it for sure. But for me, at least, I was like, okay, I can be real with these people about X, Y, Z, but like I'm not gonna open up about these things because then it's like intervention time. Yeah. Right. Um, and you just kind of know, like you just know. Um, and the other thing is if you buck that system and it is the system and you feel like everyone else is kind of like bought into that system, then you're just wrong. And there's not usually sort of space. Maybe this is what I'm getting at. There's not space for disagreement and and existing in that disagreement Mm -hmm. around topics like politics dating, alcohol, tobacco, swearing. There's a company line and you're either you're either with it or you're not and if you're not you're wrong and you're just wrong. 
Well, so, well, yeah, you're you sort of train you not to engage those topics if you don't agree. Right. Well, it's like we were told um, long ago um, at our old church and kind of when we left or got kicked out, it was like um, basically you're forced or you're against us. And if you're not and if you disagree, you're not for us. So don't debate me. Right. And it's like, no, that's bullshit. And we finally had enough and left. But, like, it's yeah. that glass ceiling. And, dude, I think you're 100% right. I feel that way. I feel like if I go in and I'm, like, fucking real, real with people, yeah. like, I, I can talk about porn mostly because BC's kind of made it normal to talk about that now for me, you know, like, mm. debating it with other guys. Like, that's easy now, I think. But And, like, all these other topics are. But, like, talking about some really messed up crap with another man in the church specifically it does feel like there's that glass wall or ceiling that if I go through it, I have unleashed all holy hell upon myself. Right. And then you're almost in a period of like, like there's like the sort of the redemption narrative where you can come out on the other side of it only if you like get clean right. or whatever. And the then hoops. you're in again, but there's, you're, you're sort of like in this like space where you kind of just know that nobody really trusts you or thinks you're a good person. As long as you're still in it. And that's yeah. uncomfortable. And I'll yeah. own it. Like, I'll admit that I, I haven't always, you know, been totally righteous or above board, you know, and I've done some shitty things. Um, well, we all have. You know, but like, it's, it's one of those things where, I don't know. It feels like if you haven't already beaten it, you can't just live in it. Right. And still be a member of the community in any sort of decent standing. Right. You, and I would guess you feel like that, an outcast. Yeah. 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 I don't know if that makes sense. Oh no, dude, it makes complete sense. I mean, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> like it, for me, it does. What do you think, Curtis? No, I, I agree completely. And it's, uh, <clears throat> I, I agree because of my own personal experience. Like I, right. Through my, through my divorce, I've, um, I found that smoking marijuana has helped with my depression and um, anxiety oh, oh, about my divorce. Um, and it's being honest with people about using marijuana. Right. Is uh, like that's an automatic disqualifier. Like I know I won't ever be able to go back to youth, serve in youth ministry because people know I smoke weed and it's like okay. the there's always been the that unspoken thing of uh, people knowing other people in the ministry like in youth ministry at the at my specific church you know, like I'm talking specifically about me when I was serving there was always an understanding like people know people knew which people in the ministry uh, would that would drink beer at a restaurant. Not everybody would do it. Not everybody was comfortable doing it uh, in public. And right. if you were comfortable doing it in public, it was always like a, it wasn't a, like something that you would get talked to about necessarily, but it was something that would be brought up in confidence. Um, like, uh, you know, you can't like give kids alcohol, right? It's like, what the fuck do you think I am? Like, <laughs> of course I know I can't give kids alcohol. 
Damn it, so, I had a six pack for Timmy, man. And, you know, and it's just multiply that by a hundred is what I would, I'm sure I would go through if I tried to rejoin, uh, you know, as a, a servant in the youth ministry. And, right. Uh, absolutely not. Like, we know you smoke weed and you're obviously going to give the kids weed. So, <laughs> no. Wow. And it's just like, it's just like, forcing me like to either not have a, a church community to be a part of or uh, forcing me to open myself up completely to any other church after this to be a part of that or to see if it's acceptable that like, am I good enough to be a part of y'all's church? Right. Cause I wasn't good enough to be a part of the last one. Right. And, and so it's just like, now I have to expose, those or I if if I want to be authentic, I have to expose those areas of my life to every other church I go to now, and hopefully I can find one where it's acceptable. If I want to, if I want to rejoin the church, which at this point it's not something that's even on my mind. So fair enough. I mean that's that's all that's all fair and good. I mean that it's and that's understandable. Um, I mean heck it, it it all ties together feeling like an outcast in the church because you're different because you bucked up and said this is bull crap because you smoke a little weed you're getting you know crapped on like who cares um you know so it's definitely something that that needs to change um and, and we should change those narratives um but what is one thing with that that y'all would change um, Curtis, we'll start with you. What is one thing you would change to make this better, or how do you think we can make this better? We've talked about the issue. We kind of went over at least the tip of this iceberg and got a good foundation on, on why guys probably don't go to church, or at least why we don't or have struggled or have been through in our walks. Um, but what can we do to fix this? Um, as people who want to go to church or are in church, what, what can we do? I mean, what would drive me back to a church um, whenever I feel like it's a safe task to take on um, would be if we are actually serious when we say, come to this place as you are. Right. And, and this church is open for everybody exactly as they are. And so that means accepting LGBTQ people into the church and letting those people be a part of the church and serve in the church. And it means getting, making the church look like, um, making the people on the platform anyways represent what the church looks like as a whole. Right. And so I, I, you know, I, I want to see more people of color on the platform and I want to see more women on the platform. And I, I don't think that there's any, I think there's biblical precedence for, especially the women thing. That's like so contentious in the church today. Like, I, I, I don't know how the news about Rachel held Evans, affected either of y'all but i legitimately that was shocked 
that I cried that on was my rough. front porch for about half an hour. Yesterday. That was rough. We were driving, and, and my wife told me, and that I didn't know who she was until, like she explained, I knew her work, but not her name, and that that was rough. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And so weird. I last night before I went to bed, I saw a pulpit and pen post calling her a heretic. Heretic Christian writer dies at thirty-seven. Is that J.D. Hall? Pulpit and pen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bag. And I, I was. Immediately, I was angered, obviously, but more than that, I'm just, like, even more heartbroken. Like, there's biblical precedents for women teaching. Yeah. And to say that, like, I, I got into a two-hour argument with my dad one time about it. And to say that, that women are – his argument was Eve was the was caused the fall of man. And so because Eve did what she did in the Garden of Eden – means women can't teach men from the platform. <laughs> That's really and bad logic. So it's like so you're trying to tell me Adam was so much better than Eve and and like it, it's just a it's a stupid argument to make. But <laughs> I yeah, I just I want I, I'm sick and tired of hearing churches say we need to like uh accept people and, and, and be open to, to all people. And then we prevent so many people from, from engaging in the community. Right. Like, okay. We'll let gay people come to the church and sit in the chair on Sunday mornings, but be quiet, please. And it's like, I mean, no, I want that guy in my Bible study. <laughs> I want to know what that guy's life's about. Right. And, and it's, we just don't get that opportunity. And so I, I won't go to another church that doesn't meet that criteria. And, um, it's, yeah, it's, I just, I just want to, I want to love everybody. And I, I want to go to a church that practices that lives that out. And so I, I, I probably will stay churchless until I can find one that, is at least trying to do that. And I know I, I, a, a common argument that my family, my dad especially, um, makes towards me when, when we talk about my not going to church anymore is the fact that, you know, church, churches are ran by people and people aren't perfect. Like, no, yeah, you're 100% right. And I, I wouldn't expect anybody in that church to be Jesus. I, I know they're not Jesus. But it's, it's so easy to try a little bit to love people like Jesus did. And when you're actively working against what Jesus said to do, right. I just can't take it seriously. I can't respect it. I can't honor it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. No, that's good stuff. So what about you, David? What would you do think to change it for, to help this or, or what? Um, I'm not sure. I, I agree with a lot of what Curtis said. Um, I don't know if I have a, a, a great succinct thought, but I thought if it's okay with you, I might share a story no, that sure, kind of ahead. illustrates what I think is what we need. Um, I, uh, I was down in Tennessee last winter, um, on a fishing trip and I was by myself, uh, just in kind of a small town in Tennessee. And I was, uh, once again, um, 
basically what I'll do if I have a weather day or some time to chill is I'll go find a cigar lounge and hang out. Because typically you meet some some interesting people there who can tell you some of the other cool stuff to do locally. So I got right. rained out of my fishing trip, went to hang out in the cigar lounge, got a cigar, sat down, and there were these two older guys sort of across the room and in the corner, and they were talking. And it was pretty obvious pretty quick that they were both uh, five-point Calvinists. <laughs> belong to the same church and um i i sort of listened to their conversation they were both older than me turns out one of them was the pastor another was an elder and sort of being who i am i needled my way into that conversation and let it be known that i was an open theist and we had an incredible two-hour conversation and then the pastor, whose name is, is Lawrence, uh, asked me if I would go out and get some drinks with him a night later on that week. And so I had a follow-up conversation, and he bought me dinner and some beers. And we had a real conversation, and we found a ton of common ground. And he did—there He there was some sort of, like, surface-level— bravado attempts to con convert me to calvinism but nothing right, right. that i felt disrespected or threatened by and we've had a continual relationship and he's invited me back next time in the area to have dinner with his family and i think if we can have that in the church we can have real dudes who are honest who can disagree and have community then that's what i'm looking for out of church right um you know, you kind of just know it when you see it. <laughs> right, right. Well, it is hard to put onto that. But it again, it, it goes back to what Curtis said, that, that come one, come all. Um, no matter where you're from, it's that I love you because you are just another human and that is okay. You know, I, I want to be close to you because you're another human, not because you're white, black, female, gay, straight, trans, whatever you may be. You're just another human in this weird experiment God's put us in called Earth, you know, right. trying to figure it out. So, yeah, that's that's an amazing story. Um, and I think that encompasses everything of what it means to be accepted and loved on in an honest, genuine way. You know, because I'm pretty sure, like, like well, like you said, there was, there was, you know, beginning tones of, like, conversion. But, I mean, he's invited you back, and you haven't you haven't shown any signs of wanting to convert or anything. You know what right. I mean? And he's still like, Hey, next time you're in town, I'd love to see you. Like that's honest care. Or he's really bad at playing the long game, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm a total fly fishing bum and I'll roll into town and eat free food, but I'm not converting to Calvin. <laughs> and I was pretty upfront about that. <laughs> Uh, well, coming from a so I'm a, I'm like a three point Calvinist on some things personally, and I grew up in the Presbyterian Church only one, um, but basically, uh, you know, his his trying to convert you was buying you the weird hipster craft beer probably um, that tasted yeah. like a pine cone. Like that's usually their their go to convert. Okay, no, we're just gonna drink anyways. Um, so, <laughs> but, it's a really good tactic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, giving people beer, loosen them up a little bit. Yeah, that that's a wonderful tactic, and I will suggest everyone use it. <laughs> yeah, sure. But uh, but no, so, but yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, I am, 
super appreciative of you guys taking an hour out of your Sunday to come on and talk about this. Um, and I think we covered a lot of ground. I mean, there's probably hours upon hours upon hours we could go breaking this entire topic down in nuances and stories and everything else. Um, and so, so yeah, so, uh, thank you again for coming on, uh, Curtis and David. Um, you know, yeah, man, thank you. Um, you know, if, if y'all are ever in my way in Texas, Curtis or in Texas, David, hit me up, man. We'll go grab a few brewskis and, you know, go have a good little time. So, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so again, thank you gentlemen for coming on the show. I enjoyed the conversation. Um, and I enjoyed the time and, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you later. This has been the recast. Y'all have a good one. Thank you.